0: chapter 6, and we're picking, picking it up at verse 22. And, uh, well, this part of the text is following uh, two signs that Jesus performed, two signs that uh, John recounted to give proof that Jesus was who he was claiming to be, that he was the Son of God. And the two signs that we looked at last Sunday were this, uh, the feeding of 5,000, and when Jesus walked on the Sea of Galilee, when he walked on water. And so the crowd that was there when Jesus fed the 5,000, they participated and witnessed the first miracle, that feeding. Um, But they did this after that had happened. They came and they sought to, Jesus perceived that they were going to try to lay hold of him and force him and take him to be their king. And so Jesus withdrew by himself to the mountains. He left the The disciples uh, behind, and that night, unbeknownst to the crowd, Jesus walked uh, down that mountain to the Sea of Galilee. The disciples had already headed off across the stormy waters. And Jesus walked across the the Sea of Galilee. And now he and his disciples, as we come into the text this morning, are in uh, the village of Capernaum. They're on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee. And we read this in verse 22. On the next day... The crowd that remained on the other side of the sea that had, sorry, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea that there, saw that there had only been one, only one boat there. I don't know, there's like a typo in my thing here. And that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, either that or I'm just a stammerer, I'm going to go too. But the disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So it's interesting here, as we look at this text this morning, we're going to see Jesus speak to a number of different groups of people. John's going to tell us about when Jesus speaks to the multitude, this crowd that we read about right here. John's going to tell us about when Jesus speaks to the Jews, the the religious leaders and the authorities. John's going to tell us about when Jesus specifically speaks to the disciples. That's the the bigger body of disciples that we know there was was at least 70 of them. And then Jesus is going to talk specifically to the 12. And so this crowd comes across the lake and we read at verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You know, I have to think breakfast is the best meal of the day. You guys, I love breakfast. Tuesday morning ments, like even if we just go to A&W or like Molly's Reach, whatever it is, cheapo or a little more expensive, I love breakfast. Like it's, it's awesome and Like, who doesn't love a big hearty breakfast? Wouldn't you agree? Pancakes, bacon, sausage, the whole nine yards. And the only thing that makes a breakfast like that better is if you don't have to cook it. And someone else makes it for you. And the only thing that makes that better is if it's free. Then it's really good. Who doesn't like free breakfast? Well, the first question this crowd asked Jesus when they find him is this. When did you get here? We've been waiting for you all night. When did you get here to Capernaum? And Jesus replied to them. He says, you're only interested in a free breakfast. That was the response. That was the truth. And this is how one of the greatest sermons that Jesus ever ever taught begins. Just like that. With a crowd looking for a free breakfast. So the crowd says to him, when did you get here? And the truth is they probably would not have believed him if he told them. The disciples had witnessed it, but he had walked across the Sea of Galilee like most of the way until he got into the boat with the twelve. And then as we saw last week, that boat just safely arrived on the other shore. So how did you get here, Jesus? I walked, you know, across the lake. But he didn't tell him that. Personally, I wouldn't have left that out. You know, I would have told that part of the story. But, But Jesus did. He left it out and he cut right to the chase with the crowd. He knew that the question that was on their, on their lips was not the subject that was really dominating their thinking and dominating their hearts. And that's an amazing thing about Jesus. That Jesus has this amazing way about him that he can just cut to the chase. Have you ever had that happen with the Lord? He can just cut through the facades that I put up and the barriers and cut through the questions that are coming out of our mouths and Jesus can cut right to the heart of the matter and we see him do that time and time again in the gospels it's awesome and 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 so you know that's the question that Jesus really likes to uh answer is the question of the heart he's like let's clear away what's coming out of your mouth and let's get to what's going on in the heart and deal with the inner thoughts not the outer words and so he says to this crowd as they ask him, when did you, when did you get here? Basically he says, well, you don't, you don't really want to know when I got here. You're just a little ticked because I like escaped. You had a plan for breakfast and I got away. And you wanted to catch me, but I escaped and I came here. And then he said this to them in verse 27. He begins this teaching. Do not work for food that perishes. But for food food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, the Father has set his seal. Jesus basically says this, you know, you're you're so worried about food for the body. That's like us this morning. Look at all those desserts back there. You can look. We get so focused on paying attention to the the needs and wants of the body and such a panic maybe about breakfast. And Jesus says to them, Why are you spending so much time focused there? Of course the Bible talks about those, we see this in scripture, the scripture talks about those whose God is their stomach. That there are those whose God is their stomach, eating and preparing for food and and shopping for food and storing food and freezing food. I mean, that's our culture, appetites, the appetites of our body drive so much of what we do. Just consider, you know, how many coffee shops there are here in Gibson's. And I love my coffee. I don't want to go without coffee Uh, and a muffin or a scone or a slice of carrot cake. (laughs) So, you know, whatever it is. So Jesus says this, why? Why do you spend so much energy on this? And he reaches past this question and this desire for breakfast into the heart of these men and women. And he basically says to them, look. People don't live on bread alone. You, you know, you're, you're no different than an animal. If all you think about is your stomach. And if, the, if your God is your stomach. Then we know what the scripture says. Your end will be destruction. And this crowd had gone about a lot of work. If you think about it. They would put, put a lot of effort and a lot of work into getting a free breakfast. They'd traveled a long ways. Uh, from the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, found boats, the whole deal to get a whole crowd, thousands of people across to find Jesus again. And they'd gone about all this work for a free breakfast and Jesus was challenging them, why don't you put the same work and the same effort into laying hold of food that lasts forever? Put the same effort in that you've, this sa- all this work you've done. For something that perishes. Do the same for that which lasts forever. And Jesus is talking about eternal life. So the crowd says to him in verse 28. And they said to him. What must we do to do the works of God? You know it's amazing. If you just glimpse back to verse 27. Let me read verse 27 for you again. Jesus says this. Do not work for food that perishes. But for food that endures to eternal life. Which the son of man will give you. For on him the Father has set his seal. It's amazing that Jesus talked about food that could be given to them. And they only heard the word work. They said, what? We need to work? What what, what can we work for? Jesus said, no, eternal life can be given to you. And they totally missed the word given. And they're like, what works must we do? And there was this mental block for them that was not immediately clear. And I, I would say this, it's the same block that's in the heart of all of humanity. Jesus said, work for bread that doesn't perish. I will give you this bread. That's what he said. You work for this. I will give it to you because I'm the distributor of bread. I have the rights. I have the distribution rights from the Father. The Father has set upon me the seal of approval. I can give you bread and the bread that I give you will do more than satisfy your stomach. It will give you eternal life. If you eat my bread... My father gives his endorsement and it will nourish your life and give you eternal life. And so he tells them eternal life is a gift. You know last week there was a, <coughs> excuse me, I gotta have a sip of coffee. Last week there was a estate sale in our neighborhood and so we'd gone out and we'd sculpted it out on Saturday and Lisa had found a bed that she wanted to redo for Eli Get him out of bunk beds, you know, he's finally maturing. We can get him out of bunk beds. And uh, so we said, Well, we'll come pick it up on Mother's Day after church. And so we've kind of planned, had our lunch, and then I, I went I went up there and I picked up the bed and, and then I just thought, you know, I'll have one more peek around the house to see what's around here. And everything had been picked over. It was just junk left behind. But there was this great woodworking bench down in the basement and I tried to move this thing, I'm like, this thing is not coming out of this basement. It was like nasty set of stairs and all that. But there was a sweet vice on there. So I went upstairs. I said, hey, are you interested? And I, That bench ain't coming out. But do you want to get rid of that woodworking vice? And and the homeowner said, you can have it. Just pull it off and you can have it. I'm like, sweet. I'm like, okay, I'll go home and get some tools and I'll, I'll be right back. So I, I go home to get tools and uh, I come back and it takes takes a while to this thing's built right into the bench so it took me a bit of time to to get it out and and as I was there there was some other tools kicking around woodwork and stuff and I thought well maybe I'll take this too. well maybe I'll, I'll take this too, and I'll take this too. and so the time came when it was like let's square up and she told me I could have the vice and so you know there was this and that and, and it added up to like about 12 bucks I'd found a chunk of wood to build a new bench and I'm like okay I'll, I'll take this stuff and all I had was a 20 and I just like felt guilty about taking this free gift. So I'm like, just keep, keep the change, that's fine. And then, and then I like left with 20 bucks less in my pocket. And I'm like, I was so annoyed at myself because I'm like, that lady gave me that vice. And then I like paid up because I <laughs> felt guilty. I like gave something. And you know, that is the human condition. Did you know that? We don't like free stuff. We do not like to take things for free. Grace. You know, I, I looked right through the offer and I thought, how can I like earn this? I got to like pay back. How can I work for that which I've been given? Why receive charity when I can like walk away and not feel guilty? I just felt like an idiot because I was out 20 bucks. <laughs> And the bread that Jesus offers is a gift. That's what he tells this crowd. One of of the biggest hurdles to receiving eternal life is grace. Did you know that? That it's free. That it's a gift. That all you have to do is come to Jesus. And it's important that we catch this. That Jesus tells this crowd the food that lasts forever, the food that does not perish is a gift. But the crowd didn't hear that word. They heard the word work. So they asked, what must we do to do the works of God? And this is amazing because, you know, physically, when you think about it, physically, they were prepared to receive a free meal. But spiritually, they were not prepared to receive something free. We'll gladly, Jesus will gladly receive loaves and fishes from you that will fill our stomach, but spiritually... No, no, no. We're not into free gifts of bread that last to eternal life. What must we do? What must we do to do the works of God that God requires? And so Jesus answered them, verse 29. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. I love this because Jesus says, no, you're talking about works, plural, The works of God are not plural. God is not asking for all sorts of work. The work of God is singular, Jesus says. And the work of God is this. That you believe in him whom the father has sent. What must we do? Jesus says, you believe in me. That's what you have to do. Look at verse 30. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? That we may see you and believe you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. You know, if you want us to believe you, this is the crowd. Jesus, okay. If you want us to believe you, then you're going to need to show us some proof. That's all we want. You know, what miracle are you going to do? And now this is amazing because, right, it's like it's less than 24 hours. They've had their fill. They've ate. We, we saw this last week. It was a crowd of at least 15,000 people. That ate their fill of loaves and fishes and Jesus made it out all out of nothing. Out of nothing. Five loaves and two small fish and feeds a crowd of 15,000. And it's amazing that so quickly after that experience they would ask for proof. Prove it. Prove that you're sent from God. They said you gave us bread yesterday but that was earthly bread. So if you're talking about eternal bread, the loaves and fishes came from earth Moses gave us bread that came from heaven. If you want us to believe in you, then give us bread from heaven. Give us us a sign. They demanded a sign, but Jesus wouldn't give them one. Look at verse 32. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and who gives life to the world. So first of all, Jesus corrects the misconception because there's a misunderstanding here about the source of the manna. You know the story of the Exodus. Israelites come out of slavery in Egypt. They're being led towards the promised land. A generation rebels, and so they spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness of Sinai. And during 40 years, every day, except on the Sabbath, because the Lord provided double the day before the Sabbath, there was manna on the ground, bread from heaven. Psalms calls it the bread of angels. And they would go out and they would collect this bread and eat this bread and the Lord sustained their physical lives in the desert for 40 years. The misconception that they had was this. They thought Moses gave them the bread. That's what they told Jesus. They said Moses gave the bread. But Jesus, uh, but, but Moses was not the one who gave the bread. We know that. Where'd the bread come from? The bread came from heaven. The bread came from their father in heaven. And Jesus was talking about something more than what they were crediting Moses with. You know, it's interesting when you think about manna, or sorry, if you think about the bread that Jesus offers, how it's different than manna. Let me give you two points on how the bread that Jesus offers is different from the manna in the wilderness. Number one, the bread is personal. Jesus said, the bread is a person. As we're gonna see the second is thing is this is that the personal bread gives life manna from heaven only sustained physical life while wandering in the wilderness but the bread of heaven that God gives in Jesus gives eternal life it gives spiritual life not just physical life spiritual life so they said they heard it verse 34 they said to him sir give us this bread always they got it sounded great to them Give us this bread. Just it Actually, it sounds like the woman at the well. John chapter 4. Remember when Jesus talked about living water? She said, sir, give me this living water so that I won't have to go to the well anymore. And so this crowd says this to Jesus. Give us this bread. Jesus said to them, verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, And I will raise him up on the last day. So the crowd says to Jesus, give us this bread. But Jesus won't. He won't. He says this, I'm the bread of life. Come to me. Come to me. In other words, I'm the bread of life, but I won't give it to you unless you come to me. It's beautiful, isn't it? I'm the bread of life, but I won't give it to you unless you come to me. Come to me. And we know this. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Look, if you don't know the gospel, the message of the gospel is this. You have to come to Jesus. You have to come to Jesus and say to him, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you. I turn from that which I live for. You're the one who has... The bread of life. I come to you for life, Jesus. You know what? Jesus promised. If you come to me, I will give you this bread. Come is the key word in this text. Come to me. You know, that's what a Christian is. Like if you just stop and think about what a, what, like what a Christian is. A Christian is simply this. A Christian is someone who comes to Christ. Who comes to Jesus. And Jesus does this when you come to him. He gives you eternal life. Pretty, pretty good deal. But there's no giving to someone who won't come. Do You see the problem here? This little standoff that's happening between Jesus and this, and this crowd. So Jesus said, if, if you come to me, interesting, he says, you'll never be hungry and you'll never be thirsty. You will never go without spiritually if you'll just come to me. You know, that, that lesson never changes for us. You know, whether you're outside the kingdom of God and you've never put, placed your faith in Jesus Christ or you've been serving Jesus for 50 years, The equation never changes. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, the solution is you go to Jesus. You go to Jesus and he satisfies that hunger and he satisfies that thirst. But when Jesus said this to the crowd, that was it for them. Jesus had taken their questions, uh, taken their challenges, answered them, tried and sought to draw them into deeper things. And then we read about, it's almost like as you read this, the, it, it funnels down, the, the crowd funnels down and actually the conversation moves into the synagogue. And Jesus begins to speak now to the authorities, to the leaders of the Jews. Um, and they had two questions for him that had arisen out of the things that he had said. But the interesting thing is they didn't ask him. As they moved into the synagogue and the conversation was going on, they were having these discussions amongst themselves and Jesus was perceiving by the Spirit what was going on. So look at verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? So the first question they had when they heard this teaching about Jesus saying I am the bread of heaven I am the bread of life was to do with where Jesus came from his origin and they thought they knew how can he say that he is the bread that came down from heaven when we know his mother and we know his father how can he say he came down from heaven when we know Mary and Joseph but we know this they were wrong did wrong information about Jesus they didn't know his father They just thought they knew his father. They they had the wrong guy, and it's interesting. They didn't know his father, and his father was not Joseph. They assumed that they knew where he came from, and they assumed that they knew who his father was. But Jesus said to them, verse 43, do not grumble amongst yourselves. He knew their questions. They, They didn't say the question to him. They didn't ask him. They didn't say, how can he say this? We know where this guy comes from. They're just talking amongst themselves. You know, I I just think that's interesting. It's like, wow, how much better if I just come forward with my question to Jesus? So often my heart grumbles. Jesus, how's this going on? What's happening here? I don't understand. It's like, just come to him with your question. He knows the question. He can handle your questions. Jesus knew their questions. They hadn't voiced them, but Jesus said, don't grumble amongst yourselves. And then he addresses their question. Verse 44. So Jesus responds. They're grumbling amongst themselves. He says, why, why, did you, why do you think I didn't come down from heaven? So Jesus begins to speak about his father. And we know he's not talking about Joseph. He's talking about the father in heaven. He, and he said, you, you may not be able to see my father, but there is one person who has seen the, fa- seen the father, he's ta- the father, and it's me. I have. You may, not, you may not be able to see the father, Jesus says, but you can listen to him. And you can learn from him. And it's through the word of God. This is important. He says that the prophets prophesied. They will be taught by God. They'll, be, they'll hear something. They'll, they'll listen. And they'll learn from the father about the son. Through the word of God. That's the application for us here. From the word of the prophets. A sinner can come to God. Through the word of God, because the written word leads us where? Where does the written word lead us? To the living word. That's right. The written word leads us to the living word. And so Jesus says, it is written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. We know this is an overshadow of him, but this is also telling us that the words of the prophets are the words of God. And a sinner can come to God through The word of God, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The written word leads us to the living word, King Jesus. And God uses his word to draw people to Jesus. That's why it's important as the church, we uphold the word of God. We teach the word of God. We do not lower the word of God. Because the word of God leads us to King Jesus. And to prove his point, Jesus quoted Isaiah 54, 13, and they will be taught by God. Because it's through the teaching of the word that the Holy Spirit draws people to Jesus. The sinner hears. The sinner learns. And as the father draws him and the spirit works, that person comes to Jesus. And when they come to Jesus, Jesus gives life. Jesus gives the bread of heaven. And Jesus is distinct in this way. Like when we think about Jesus, what he's telling this crowd is he's distinct from all others in this way, is that he has seen the Father. No one's seen the father, but I've seen the father. And he tells these guys, you've not been drawn by the father. You have not learned from the father. And because you've not learned from the father, you cannot come to me. And Jesus claimed that, that if they came to him, They would never die unlike those who ate manna in the desert and died. And then Jesus said something to them that really bugged them. Check out verse 51. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of this world is my flesh. Now he really ticks them off. Talking about bread from heaven and your father in heaven and now you tell us that you're gonna give us your flesh to eat? Moses gave manna and you're gonna give your flesh? That's cannibalism, right? What's he talking about? Verse 52, they begin to dispute amongst themselves. Then the Jews disputed amongst themselves saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? And that that was their second question. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So verse 53, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and, now he ups it again, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So I love that. Takes it up a notch. So it's, it's not just eat flesh, not just bread from heaven. It's eat my flesh. It's not just eat my flesh. It's drink my blood. This is like weird. This is, I mean, come on. You got to think about this. This is really truly like one of the strangest teachings Jesus gave. It's like a confusing teaching. And so we can understand with these guys uh, how they would have these questions. What's he talking about? Eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Remember when Jesus talked to Nicodemus? John chapter 3. We were there not that long back. And, and Jesus told Nicodemus, no one will ever see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And, and Nicodemus like, what? Do I have to go in my mother's womb a second time? Like He's like, what are you talking about, Jesus? And And he took very literal what Jesus was saying without thinking about what Jesus was saying. And these guys were doing the same thing. Look at verse 54. Jesus says this. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the, bre- the bread your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So as we seek to understand what Jesus is speaking about when he talks about feeding on flesh and drinking his blood, the key to helping us understand all of what he's talking about is verse 57. So look at verse 57 with me again. This is the key to understanding the eating of flesh and the drinking of blood. As the Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. Let me read that again. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Jesus pointed to his own personal relationship with the father to explain what he was talking about. To help us understand our relationship with him actually. And so Jesus said this he said I live because of the father. That's how I live. In other words and we've seen this throughout John's gospel the father was the source and sustainer of Jesus life. Jesus looked to him. He depended upon him. He set aside his earthly is heavenly glory and he took on human flesh and he looked to the father and he lived in complete dependence on the father in heaven and he depended on him for life. And when Jesus spoke of feeding on his flesh and drinking his blood, Jesus is saying that if you're going to have eternal life, then you have to come to me as the source and sustainer of life. If you're gonna have eternal life, you, you have to look to me and depend upon me for your very life. We have to say, I depend on you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. How am I counting on you? I can't feed myself. I can't live this life, Jesus, without you. You're the source of my very life. I don't know spiritual life without you. You're the sustainer of my life. Jesus, when I'm in your presence and you're near me and you speak to me and I worship you and I'm with your people and I get to share the gospel or whatever it is, Jesus, when I'm in your presence, I have no hunger and I have no thirst. You quench me and you satisfy me. That's what Jesus is talking about, dependence upon him when he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. I wasn't talking literal. And of course with history on our side, we also know that Jesus was also alluding to the work of the cross. That it was necessary. It was necessary for the work of the cross to happen that he give his life on that cross for us to receive life from him. He had, he had to bear his sins a bit, sorry, bear our sins in his body on that tree. And so the, the key word in all of this section is life. And Jesus again and again says life. He says, I am, I'm the bread of life. And he says, come to me and I'll give you life. Come to me, eat of me, and you will live and I will live in you. And verse 59 tells us that Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Now the crowd funnels down here a bit more. We're going to find this multitude to the Jews. And now Jesus is going to address the disciples. This is a larger body of disciples. We know there was at least 70 following Jesus around. 70 besides the 12. And verse 60 says, when the disciples heard it, they said, this is hard. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Now, this is amazing because we're moving towards the inner circle of Jesus' crew here. And they're having a hard time comprehending what he's talking about and what he's preaching. Even those in the inner, inner circles of Jesus were struggling to receive this teaching. This is, man, he's lost us. This sermon, it's like hard to understand. I don't, I don't like, I'm not grasping what he's talking about. That's their response. And again, Jesus knows what's going on in their hearts. So verse 61, And Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus John gives us a footnote. For Jesus knew from the beginning who was, who those were who did not believe, and who it was that would betray him. Verse 65. And he said, "This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted him by the Father." You know, as I read this, I just think, man, it's 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 really tragic when people decide you know, that Jesus thing's just too difficult. That teaching of Jesus is just too difficult. I don't understand it, I don't comprehend it, I don't understand why he says this, why he teaches this. It's like a difficult, it's just difficult to understand. And, and I, I wanna challenge you in that. Church, I wanna challenge you in that. Look at you, you will never grow, you will never grow in Jesus if you only listen to things that are easy for you to understand and you never have to apply yourself. Like. I know this is not an easy text. This is not like baby food this morning. This is a meaty chunk of, of scripture. And we have to apply ourselves to. We have to, we have to, eating flesh and drinking blood. They said to one another, like they're having a hard time. Do you find this difficult? Yeah, this is difficult. What the heck is he talking about? I don't know, man. I'm like confused. And that's what's going on. And and so Jesus says to them, look. If you don't know what's going to happen to you when I talk about this, what's going to happen if, if I, if I, if you see other things, like if you see more, if I like show you more, what are you going to say if you're stumbling? If you're stumbling now, you think it's difficult that I said I come down from heaven? Wait until you see me go up to heaven. I love it. It's like he's, he's pretty funny actually. <laughs> he's saying this. This is the beautiful thing about the Christian life and following Jesus. It's like there's a lot more you're going to learn. Like we're just scratching the surface here people. There's a lot more you're going to learn if you're going to follow me and and if you're going to stop, if you decide that you're going to stop right here because it's difficult, man are you going to miss out. Man will you miss out. You know I would tell you just like as a pastor, someone who has the heart of a shepherd, you know I find to be probably the most difficult thing about pastoring a church is when people opt out they just decide "Eh, it's too difficult I don't like this I don't like that not not me that, that's justified <laughs> I, I don't like this about Jesus I don't like this about the Word of God I can't get over this hurdle spiritually speaking and and people opt out over something that's hard for them to accept they don't like it they don't like what the scripture says about sin they don't like about what the scripture says about this or what Jesus teaches about this and and to opt out listen when you opt out you miss out straight up there's many things that Jesus says that are difficult but you have to try and dig deeper Because Jesus said to these guys, he said, my words are spirit. And my words are life. You find this hard? The things I say to you are spirit and life. What if you see me ascend into heaven? And Jesus was pleading to them. You know, I don't know, I don't know everybody here this morning. Let me plead with you this morning on behalf of Jesus. Don't let go. Don't let go. Jesus was pleading, hold on. You might not understand now, but you hold on to me. You hang on to me. I've been talking about, about eating my flesh, but, but it's through God's Holy Spirit that life is given, and through eating my flesh, the Holy Spirit is giving you life. That's what he says right here. Again, he takes them deeper. To me, it's shocking because it's like, okay. He doesn't back up. He like, he cranks it up another notch. That's why he said, you need the Father's help. If you're going to come to me, you need the Father's help. But if you come to me and you feed on me, the Holy Spirit is going to give you life. Now to me, that's amazing. Jesus just brings the whole picture of the Trinity, the three in one, the Godhead, Into the work of salvation. He says the father draws you. He leads you to me. You come to me. And the Holy Spirit gives you life. The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit all active in the work of salvation. That's why, you know, I would say this. That's why in our relationship with the Lord. Anytime we're having difficulty and we're having a hard time understanding something. You're like, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. The best thing you can do is this. Listen to me. It's not come see me. That's not the best thing. Trust me. When you're having a difficult time in something, in your walk with the Lord, the best thing you can do is say this. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. You've never given me any reason not to trust you. And I'm in over my head right now So help me understand. Help me, Jesus. Help me to understand. And just backing up here again, it's just such a sad day when a disciple, when a follower of Jesus gets to the point when they say, you know, these difficulties are too great. And they just start backing away. And it's interesting that, you know, that that's what the text actually expresses that the crowd did those who said these teachings are too hard, not that they turned away, but they began to just back away from Jesus while still facing him. And then verse 66 says, after this, sorry, many of his disciples turned back, it's not what the original language is expressing, they're backing away, turned back and no longer walked with him. You know, it's like, it's, it's said that confused heads lead to wayward feet in the Christian life. And so Jesus now turns to the 12. We go multitude, Jewish authorities, the bigger group, and now it's just the 12. And Jesus said to the 12, verse 67, do you want to go away as well? I agree that it's like, to me, it's like one of the most vulnerable things I think Jesus says in the scriptures. Like to me, it's got a real vulnerable feel when I read that. A, a human vul- vulnerability in, in Jesus. Not, not because, not vulnerable because he's insecure. Nothing to do with insecurity. Totally secure. Vulnerability because he loves so much. Vulnerability because his heart is just that these people would come to him. That they would eat the bread of life and receive what he has he has. Vulnerability because it pains him so much. It pains him so much when someone says, this is too much. This is too difficult. And they back away and no longer walk with him. And so Jesus says to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And then Peter pipes in. Gotta love Peter. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's a great chunk of scripture right there. You have to love Peter. Peter's like, Jesus, where else are we going to (laughs) go? Go away to what? What would I go to? What alternative do I have? You know, he's like sincere. He's honest. And he says, where would I go? You have the words of eternal life. You know, as I think about this, I just think, I don't know if you have figured this out yet, but following Jesus is not easy. If you want easy street, going to Jesus for life is not picking easy street. It's a narrow path. It it can be difficult. Following Jesus can be tough. Sometimes you're in over your head. When you follow Jesus, sometimes you end up in spots where you do not understand what's going on. But like Peter, let me ask you this question. Where else are you going to go? What religion are you going to turn to? What philosophy will you buy into? What person would you go to for help? Where are you going to go? Because once you know Jesus, you know this. And there is no other alternative. There's no other alternative. And I love Peter. He didn't have it figured out. He didn't have all the answers. He couldn't explain it all. But he knew this. Jesus has the words of eternal life. Where else am I going to go? Everyone else talks about life. But this man possesses eternal life. And he can give it to us. And besides Jesus... Who else can knowledgeably talk about eternal life and and give it? Other teachers talk about it. They talk about making this life. You know what other teachers do? Other teachers do this. They talk about making this life awesome. Jesus talks about this life and abundant life in both this life and the life to come. And so Jesus says, whoever eats and drinks of me has eternal life. And Peter said, I believe it. I totally believe it, Jesus. And it's interesting that for Peter, you know, and this is true for anyone who follows Jesus, that belief, faith, precedes understanding. Did you catch that Peter does that? He says, I believe and I came to know. That faith came first. That he put his faith in Jesus and understanding came. That's why you can trust Jesus. He won't let you down ever. You can always trust him. We believe and we have come to know. We trusted you first and afterwards understanding came. And Peter was bold enough that he did this. He spoke for all 12 of the disciples. He doesn't talk for himself. He's a bold guy. He's like, where else would we go? Not where else would I go? Where else would we go? Speaking presumptuously because he didn't know. He was speaking presumptuously. Because he didn't know that that day, amongst the 12, right in the midst of the 12, there's one who, did, who had made a decision. There's one who said, this teaching is too difficult. He made a decision in his heart. And Jesus pointed it out. Jesus knew what was going on in his heart. He knew Peter was speaking presumptuously about, presumptuously about all 12. Look at verse 70. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the 12? And one of you, yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. Jesus knew their hearts. Man, a tough passage of scripture, but it tells us this. Look at life is in Jesus. If you go to him, You'll never hunger. You'll never thirst. He will satisfy the longing of your inner person, inner man, the spiritual person. He will quench your thirst, but you have to come to him. Come to me, and I will give you this life. Let's bow our heads, pray.